Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I am your host, and we are a podcast that is all about discovering and talking about biblical truths. And we can't have the Salty Pastor Podcast without our very own Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak. Hello, everyone. So good to be with you today. You know, we're getting the new year started off, and uh, we're looking at what the Lord is going to be doing in us and through us. So I hope that this podcast helps you in your journey of faith because today you need to know what you believe and why you believe it more than ever. Absolutely. And I want to just uh, reiterate, if you didn't watch or listen to the podcast on Tuesday, um, Pastor Doug is uh, recording remote. So that's why we're doing this over Zoom. We just missed 2020 so bad. We felt like we needed to do some more Zoom calls. <laughs> so um, he's just taking some time off. And But he didn't want you guys to miss out on your salty pastor goodness. You need that seasoning every week, twice a week. So um, yeah. we're still going to record. But let's uh, kind of dive in on this podcast. This is um, Thursday, January 7th. Mm -hmm. um, and we can't really move into discussing the implications of Galatians chapter two, one through 10, without first addressing the events that took like took place yesterday in our nation's capital. Yeah, it's pretty shocking when you see it. And I believe that there's lots of people rendering opinions about it right now. There's a lot of analysts, a lot of journalists, a lot of politicians, a lot of people in power and authority who are going to try to frame the narrative it's called they're trying to say this is why what happened happened right and i think it's just i mean really it's just it's a culmination of a lot of things right like this mm -hmm. is this isn't this is shocking to be sure but i don't know that it's entirely surprising right i think a lot of people have been potentially thinking that this is a potential thing that could happen for a while, right? When, when you really step back and you look at what's going on, as I see this uh, from a historical perspective is pretty normal. I mean, this is what happens when nations and cultures and societies adopt certain ideological uh, principles. So I see this as the culmination of the effects of postmodernism in the Frankfurt School of Social Theory. Uh, I, I see that this is what's been seeded in our public education system is a way of thinking. And this way of thinking now is culminating. I, I really believe that the players on the chessboard right now of the geopolitical scene in America are irrelevant. Um, you know, I don't think this is about Trump. I don't think it's about Biden. I don't think it's about Republicans. I don't think it's about Democrats. I, I see them as caught up in a whirlwind of the effects of an ideology that has been propagated into the way people think. And so what one of the ways in which people are taught to think is that uh, there is no objective truth. There is no meta narrative that binds us all together as one. You know, there's nothing we can agree on that's objective outside of us. It's only our objective experience. So what we see now is 
behavior is detached from what you believe. And so uh, like one of the things that is helpful about Foothills and about our position is as a non-political church, you know, we're, we're not trying to tell people who to vote for or whatever, but we do honestly, I honestly address ideologies that are destructive. Mm. And in postmodernism, what you see here today is people responding in certain ways. And that is, you have a large group of people who believe that the election was not honest and fair, right? Mm -hmm. Then prior to that, you had a lot of people believing that the president of the United States, uh, the media convinced everybody that he was a Russian uh, partner or Russian something and that he was colluding with them. They even impeached him over it. And so what I see there is I see two intractable sides. You know, you see, you see one side trying to create a narrative and then you see another side that created a narrative and then once you have these narratives become belief, then what you find is something intractable. And what I find really interesting is how the press, which is very postmodern, their, their goal is to always formulate narratives or stories mm-hmm. that only give you a perspective that brings about their conclusion or what they want you to believe. So the ability to think critically has been lost on an entire generation. And that's this, and is that the, the same people were justifying political violence earlier this summer as it was justifiable because these, a group of people had been mistreated are now saying that this violence is treasonous or seditionous. Um, the, the reason why you have these double standards, the reasons why you have this vacillation, the reason why you have all this conflict is because of postmodern way of thinking. And what that does is that has resulted in, as I've said earlier, it just ends up in more hatred, more division, because there's no objective uh, law. There's no objective thing that pulls us together. Uh, what sets human beings apart from the lower species is our ability to think transcendentally, altruistically, lovingly. But what these divisive political theories have done is create a division between people. So now everyone hates everyone else, you know, and everybody's making ultimatums and everybody is saying, you know, you know, well, I hate you because, you know, you're trying to steal the election. Well, I hate you because you support President Trump and he's the worst thing ever. And and no one wants to sit back and go, hey, maybe everybody hating one another is really not a good idea. It's not a way to build a society. Well, and I think because so many people are suffering and going through so many different things, especially in 2020, we're looking to these politicians to kind of you know, those people are looking to these politicians to be their savior from what they're, they're struggling with, you know, whether it's depression or financial or just life in general. And they're like, well, if just my party will win, they can save us from everything. They're looking for a messiah in the form of a politician. 
Would you say that's somewhat true? Well, yes, very much so, particularly in a secular society, which is what our, our intelligentsia, our elites have become. And that is one of our founding fathers said that uh, this form of government only works with a virtuous and religious people. Uh, John mm. Adams said that. So we have to be religious. We have to be virtuous. He said the difficulty, though, is that um, uh, I, I don't think it was him. I think it was another founding father said that once you dispense with religion, government becomes your religion. And, and that's what postmodernism seeks to do through the Frankfurt School of uh, Social Theory is that uh, it's based upon Karl Marx's notion that God is the opioid, meaning the drug of the masses. So what we want to do is we want to make God irrelevant. You see, God irrelevant. So there's no, there's no uh, force, there's no objective truth that pulls us together as one and mitigates bad behavior. Uh, when we're incapable of saying that, you know, tearing down a statue is wrong in a universal standpoint, then we're incapable of resolving this conflict. Case in point, earlier this year, a group of people went to the building, the Congress building, and tried to tear down or vandalize the building there. And the position was, is that what they're doing is okay from the media because it's uh, they're frustrated and angry at the way they've been treated or, or something of that nature. We, we could go back and dig into the actual statements. But, uh, and then now this uh, different group of people show up, you know, and they vandalize it and break in. And then the position is, is that their behavior is wrong. I'm not trying to justify anybody's behavior. What I'm trying to say, though, is that when you pick a behavior and say it's okay in one situation, but not in another situation, that's called moral relativism. Mm. And moral relativism, all it ends up with is more hatred and more division and more anger. You see what, what's going on here, and this is what I think people really need to understand analytically, is that what's going on is Satan is trying to create a volleyball game here. You see, he's trying to create two sides that despise each other so much they can justify destroying one another. And that's, you know, Satan loves division. He loves hatred. He loves the demonization of other people. And so the reason why Western civilization was able to grow to the place that it could grow is because there was a mitigating factor involved in it. And the mitigating factor involved in it was Christianity. Christianity never wanted to be in charge. It, all it wanted to do is bring about a mitigating factor that helped build society uh, out of people. And so even look back, though, in, in the history of how they tried to do this denominationally and so forth is not very good. You know, there was there was a hundred year war in Europe, a hundred years. I mean, that's when you're teaching your kids and your grandkids to hate people right over religious differences. So um, history is not friendly to people 
you know, when you go back and look at it and see when people end up hating one another. And so uh, whenever you justify hatred, whenever you justify anger, whenever you justify bitterness, you know, uh, particularly through postmodern thinking, this is what we end up with. And so I think what's going to happen is we're going to see more conflict because this isn't going to just go away. You know, you don't elect a leader. See, it used to be that we would elect a leader and the leader would stand up and say, okay, I know so many of you didn't vote for me. How can we come together and compromise? Right now, what our society has created is I won and I'm going to kill all of you and destroy what you've done. And that thinking and that approach is what's going to create greater division, greater hatred, and greater anger in our society today. So what should our response be as Christians? I know the, the idea right now is we're, we're all wondering, well, what should we be doing? I mean, it's like even just, you know, listening to some of my friends, it's like some of them were up late all night just scrolling through social media and different news feeds and stuff. And it's like... What's our next step? What should we be doing? Well, I think that we got to analyze. Uh, number one is, is start with yourself. Start with yourself. Um, Paul says to the Corinthians during the Lord's Supper, he says, let a person examine themselves. Mm. And so uh, King David wrote in the Psalms, he said, Lord, Search me and know me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. And so the first step is to examine yourself. That is, why am I so bothered by this? Uh, There's violence in the world all the time. Why does that violence not bother me and this violence bother me? Do I have the same attitude towards all violence? What, how do I, so I would start with examining yourself as the follower of Jesus, okay? okay? Second of all, what we have to do is we have to uh, posit that justice law is universal. It's universal. It's objective. And it applies to everyone equally. See, my position on this is pretty controversial, I think, and that is a number of years ago, uh, during the Obama administration, there was an immigration uh, situation. Uh, there, a lot of people were trying to immigrate to the United States. Many people were doing it illegally, and so they weren't following through the process, and therefore, What happened is President Obama initially said, I cannot take any action for immigration because the Constitution doesn't allow me to do that, which is true if you understand the Constitution. But then in his second term, what he did is because a bunch of cities started to uh, become sanctuary cities. Right. Um, And this started under the Obama administration. Then, then once President Trump got elected, you know, uh, there was a lot of these executive orders that were not based on the Constitution. And then you had a lot of judges that supported these unconstitutional orders. And so 
what what happened is it's like it's like okay well we're just not going to be a nation of laws anymore so then the other side starts saying okay well we're going to be a sanctuary city for the second amendment you know right. you, you, you can't take me now now we're going to have pretty soon we're going to have sanctuary cities for republicans and we're going to have you know sanctuary cities for democrats and we're going to have sanctuary cities for federal taxes and we're going to have sanctuary cities against federal taxes we're going to you see what happens is when we stop being a nation of laws, and that's what postmodernism does, you see, then you don't have any justice anymore. Mm. And when you don't have any justice anymore, there's no social contract. There, there's no agreement anymore. It's like, well, if you're not going to follow the rules, why do I have to follow the rules? Right. And then you have both sides coming to blows. So when we say we want to be the people of God, we want to be people of peace, we've got to argue for the necessity of objective truth and that there is a justice that exists outside of ourselves. And we need to attempt to equally apply the just laws to everyone. You see that that's really critically important if we wanna have a society that sticks together. If we don't do that, it will end up at some point in civil war. I mean, that's some pretty heavy heavy consequences to this so is there a way we as christians can help with this to help try to avoid this outcome or is it just all in the fates of the politicians and we're just along for the ride well i i really believe that you have to be careful uh to understand how satan will use these events to manipulate you okay number you know examine yourself as i said and then spend time with the Lord as much as possible. Because let's say you're a person, this is what's really unique about our church, is we have people in our church, I know a lot of these people, I've known people for a long time who are very strong Democrats. I know people who are very strong Republicans. Uh, we're one of the few churches that I, I believe that has a, a healthy mix of people, both sides politically. I'm good friends with a lot of people. What's really interesting to me is that there are people in our church who, when President Obama was uh, the president, they believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that he was the Antichrist. They, right. they believed that he was truly the devil, you know, and he was pure evil. Now, I could see that a lot of the policies that he implemented would cause them to believe that because it really hurt them specifically. And I, and I would say to them, I'd say, look, I know that you uh, are very upset. I said, but the thing is, is that Satan wants to use your anger against you. He wants to build a stronghold in your heart. And so that you become a rage machine that just lashes out, destroys everything in your past. That's what he loves. Mm. So don't play that game. Don't allow him to do that to you. You can stand and say, I disagree with the policies of President Obama on a principled basis, but still be a person of peace. Do that. Then, shock of shocks, uh, President Trump, that just shocked the world that he got elected. I mean, right. really, that just shocked the world, particularly Americans, you know, and I, I think there was a group of people that are elitists who were so shocked about that, 
they that they disbelieved it and so they started a way to undermine it and so if you were on the other side and you hated president trump so much that you were a full part you know full supporter of impeachment and all these other things then you're not responding as a christian you're you're just not you're being used by satan to be filled with hate and anger and all you have to do, I know nobody wants to do this, but all you have to do is go back and look at the 16th and 17th century before the Renaissance and look at all of the religious wars that happened in Europe. You know, people were, were killing each other over whether they were Calvinists or, you know, uh, Roman Catholics or, you know, it's just it was just really crazy because these things came to personify the, the distaste and the hatred that people had for one another. And, and so, and what people don't realize, what I'm trying to do here is tell you that Satan is playing a game of volleyball and he's trying to get you to hate people. And when you start hating people because you're mad, because you picked a side and your side loses, then Satan has won. Right. He's won because you become a part of the problem. You are not a part of the solution. And then what you find yourself doing is you find yourself justifying sinful and bad behavior on one side or the other. And so what the Christians have to do is we have to say, we, we're not worshiping any politician. We don't worship human beings. In God's eyes, there is no favoritism. That's what he says in Galatians. You know, remember when we talked on Tuesday, we were reading and Paul said, I went down to meet with uh, Peter and James and John, he said, not that it mattered because there is no favoritism in God's kingdom. Right. So, <laughs> so we, we don't give favoritism to any man. We all submit to the authority of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so as people of God, what we do is we have to advocate for things like justice and we have to advocate for things like truth. And the most important thing we have to do is we have to call out bad behavior and poisonous ideologies. And so that's what we're trying to do today. Uh, and that's what I think the salty pastor has been trying to do. And so if we allow these ideologies to continue to be taught in our public education systems, then what we're gonna have is we're gonna have this ongoing spat. Uh, you know, there, there's something else I wanted to point out and that is this, is that the miracle of America is not voting for the winner. You see, a lot of people are like, well, we're a democracy and we voted for this person. So this person gets to be in charge. That's really not the beauty of America. The beauty of America is the consent of the defeated. Right. Think about that for a moment. It's the consent of the defeated. That there's not a war every single time power is supposed to be transferred. Exactly. It's a real miracle. That's the real miracle. And that is, okay, we tried. We tried to convince people. Therefore, what we're going to do is uh, we didn't, our side didn't win. So we're just going to say better luck next time. You know, there's still these things that bind us together as Americans. Right. Well, what postmodernism has done and deconstructionism has done, what our media has done is eroded that to where it doesn't exist anymore. 
So now the person who wins wants to go in and they want to impose their will on everyone else as fast, as quickly, and as harshly as they can. That doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left, but when you do that, ultimately that is a power play. And that's what postmodern thinking does. And so what it does is it destroys nations and it destroys communities. But that, that's what we see happening over and over again. And so we're losing the consent of the defeated. Hmm. And the reason why is because in postmodernism, see, this is what's so interesting, is the government has gotten so big that all politics is personal. You see, all politics is personal now. And this is why people worship political leaders is because that leader personifies you personally. Well, that's just absurd if you're in the kingdom of God. It's that another human being doesn't personify what I think and I believe, you know, uh, Jesus Christ. And broken as you are. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I don't trust myself. Why would I trust somebody else? You know? Uh, so I don't want to worship those people at all. And this is another reason why celebrity culture in the church is so damaging, you know? Because it's similar that they're putting all of Very their similar. trust and faith and uh, hope of salvation into these personalities, basically. Right. And that's why I think it's so critically important as Christians that we never forget what we're called to do. And that is we're called to follow Christ and Christ alone. The only person I want to worship is Jesus. Absolutely. Okay. Number two, what I want to do is I want to know the word. I want to know what the word of God says. Now, a lot of people start off going, well, I want to know how I should vote. And so the Bible doesn't tell me that, or I need to know if I can eat, you know, quinoa or should I go gluten-free? And the Bible won't <laughs> tell me that. I need to know what kind of music I should listen to. You say, okay, what you're looking for is a religion. You're not looking for a faith. And so read the Bible. And at first you start reading the New Testament. Just read the New Testament over and over again. You start reading about Jesus. And start, what you start realizing is what Jesus was doing is he was seeding, first of all, the truth of the gospel. And that is, is that all of us are broken. We're all sinners and we all need to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. Once that happens, then there are virtues and values that we adopt and then we tried to see these in our families, uh, in our own heart, our families, and our communities. And these values are things like honesty, integrity, love, kindness, joy, patience, peace. And over time, the more we see these virtues in our society and our children, society benefits from it. So... Anytime somebody stands up, and I, I've been very skeptical of this for the last 30 years, someone stands up and says, we need a revolution. I, I rebuke that person. I'd say, you know, revolutions are evil. All you have to do is read history. Right. They're evil, evil. You know, um, when you look at the American Revolution and you compare it to the French Revolution, there's no comparison. The French Revolution was pure evil. In America, the, the links that American Revolution went to to protect civilians and to protect the individual liberties of people, 
it was astounding in its uh, in its attempt to do that. It's probably why, for the longest time, everybody thought they were going to lose. I mean, in the first founding of our country, most people are not aware of this. We were really good at losing wars. <laughs> we lost a lot to Britain, and that, and then the War of eighteen twelve. We lost a lot, you know. Right. Um, anyway, my point in all this being is that what I want is not revolution; is I want revival. You see, what I want is a revival, is I want a revival that returns to the commitment that we should have liberty and justice for all. I want to, re, I want to have a revival that says we have an objective truth that binds us all together. I want us to return, have a revival of the belief that we are all created equal in the eyes of God. Uh, things like uh, equal outcomes are evil. Those things are evil in their premise and in their conclusion. And so I want us to have a revival to the things that used to make us Americans. And hopefully more and more people will say, I am sick and tired of the violence. I'm sick and tired of the politics. I'm sick and tired of our media. I'm sick and tired of everybody else trying to frame a narrative and then get me to choose a side and pick a side. You know, what I want to do is I want to be a person of God who says we will become the people of God and we just might be able to save America. Well, I think that's a great way to stay focused in these times that seem very troubling. And I'm glad you've walked us through that. Um, we are going to be continuing on on our series, Seven Rules for Life on Sunday, Pastor Harv's mm -hmm. preaching, right? Um, he's going to talk, um, preach on Galatians chapter 2, 1 through 10, um, mm -hmm. and be sharing about that. So I just hope that you guys um, take Pastor Doug's words to heart. Um, I know right now it can seem a little lost at sea with how crazy things are and what the media and the politicians are all trying to spin. But I think, you know, during our prayer time as a staff yesterday, I just prayed that, you know, just, no matter what side of the, the political spectrum you're on, the one thing that unites us all is our faith in Christ. And that's what yeah. we can really rely on in his biblical truths. And so everything else is it's not our, it's not our concern. We just need to stay focused on what um, God wants us to be doing in our lives. And, and Pastor Doug gave us some very, very good ways to do that. So um, we appreciate you guys joining us. We pray for you to stay safe, that you um, have a peace over you as you go through into this weekend um, and just stay, like he said, uh, rather than uh, scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or the news, maybe spend some time in the Bible reading the New Testament. That's going to be a, probably a much happier and more yeah. peaceful journey for you. Do something that fuels your soul, you know, read the Chronicles of Narnia or, <laughs> yeah, watch some, you know, watch something that's fun. Play a game with your spouse or sit down and that is is that don't let satan control your mental space don't let him mm. get in there you're in charge be in charge absolutely well thank you guys so much for joining us please tune in on sunday to hear pastor harv and then we'll see you next week here on the salty pastor god bless you everyone and happy new year <laughs>